Welcome to Cinemaholics. Okay, sure. You you just heard from us. We just talked about Space Jam earlier this week. Space Jam: A New Legacy. But we're back for a bonus review. We want to talk about another movie that's out that we managed to catch called Pig. I'm John Negroni, your host as usual, and with me I have Will Ashton. Hello. Will Ashton, Pig, a movie called Pig. What is what is going on? What is this movie? Well, con. Contrary to what you might think, it is not a dark, gritty remake to Babe, Colin, Pig in the City. Though, I guess it kind of is, depending on yeah, how I mean, you look at it. Sure. <laughs> um, it's like a remake of half of Babe, Pig in the City. If you are really invested in like a gritty version of the James Cromwell side of the story. Um, that's a good movie, Babe, Pig in the City. Have you seen it? Not since the late 90s. <laughs> It's a good so film. I think I'm it's better of, than the the original. If we're talking pictures. I'm trying really hard to remember anything that happened in that movie, and I am failing completely. Oh, uh, really? But I, See, I have, I have a better memory of Pig in the City than the original, babe. I thought you were going to say, because I was about to mention you have a better memory of that movie than Black Widow, because I, I was well, going to mention that lately, pigs pigs have been having a moment in cinema. I'm not sure, sure what that's Oja. about. <laughs> well, movie. I mean, even just the last few weeks... Between this, Black Widow, there's something else. Uh, well, I mean, before that, there was uh, in the Spider Into the Spider Verse with Spider Pig. That's true. Another Nicholas Cage. Yes, yeah. Nicholas Cage. But that was a couple years ago. I'm not quite sure what recent film other than Black Widow and this one you're referring to with a pig. But I would like to know so I can see it. That's something. But sure. <laughs> I think the main point is that we watched a movie about a pig, and some of you might be, if you're listening, bless you, because I'm sure a lot of you have no idea. What like what this movie is. I didn't know really what this movie was going into I, it. Didn't watch a trailer. You didn't watch yeah, a trailer. But I knew about it. I was sure. familiar. It was on my radar because um, as I've discussed on the show plenty of times now, I'm a big fan of Nicolas Cage. Uh, not ironically, or at least mostly not ironically. I generally think he is a very fascinating, idiosyncratic actor, and he has a very unique screen presence that makes him very compelling to watch, even when his movies are unfortunately not always very good. Yeah, I mean, look, if in an alternate universe, Will, I think you and I would probably do a podcast where we literally watch all of the Nicolas Cage movies, like one there a week. There is a podcast uh, like that. Your uh, friend Clint Worthington does that with Nathan Raven. Oh, the face-off thing? Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. But yeah, in an alternate universe, we're the ones doing that. Um, and I, I don't envy them because we learned from Abed, of course, and Community that that is a road to destruction. But I, I enjoy a Nicolas Cage film, you know? Every yeah, I've seen while. I've seen most of Nicolas Cage's films though, so I'm almost at Abed's level. Well, that was the thing; it wasn't <laughs> watching every single one. It was like watching every single one like, right. in a short period of time. Yes, right. Which I did That's, in high school sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and, you just and wanted I to almost challenge got, yourself. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I would do marathons with my friend who I saw the movie with uh, Pig. I mean, uh, we would watch like three or four Nicolas Cage movies in a row, and they, they are always fascinating because. Like I said, Nicolas Cage always brings his own unique energy to each film, but what energy he brings each film is always different, but very singular at the same time to the one and only Nicolas Cage. Yeah, if there's an actor who does the opposite of phoning it in, I, I think Nicolas Cage defines that yeah. you know, archetype, you know? It does not matter. Because it's weird because he has a reputation, or at least he did have a reputation pre like Mandy of being like oh he's just gonna phone it in and sure he had like a run of films like in I want to say like 2014 to like 2016 where he wasn't 
you know, he I, he needed to make money, and he was not making films that were up to his pay grade, and they were kind of being thrown onto Redbox and stuff. And you know, I, I'm not going to say those performances were his peaks or his best stuff, but the idea that he has a reputation that's similar to someone like Bruce Willis was always absurd to me. Sure, I look. I'll just say because you know you mentioned it. I, you talked about Mom and Dad. I remember before Mandy came out so i don't know if i want to include that in the equation and i i think that before 2014 there were other films like drive angry you know that i i don't necessarily think were all that strong oh yeah there's also yeah he's had bad films throughout his career (laughs) oh yeah yeah. i mean we don't we don't have to go far season of the witch uh you know what was that one um where he was like uh some kind of like sorcerer or something sorcerer's apprentice yeah yeah, that was not his finest hour, but I don't hate that film. Um, Me neither. But not. Me yeah, neither. I don't know. I thought it was whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it did not do well. It was it was a huge flop, and it prevented Nick or uh, uh, National Treasure three from happening. True story. Which uh, I guess so. Some sometimes good things happen for the wrong reasons. Anyway, hmm. um, another movie I do want to bring up: Color Out of Space. Yes, now, good that, film. That was a movie. I, that's one I still haven't seen, but I did. See, the other Nicolas Cage film I did see this year was Prisoners of Ghostland, which I like. I did not care for that film. Did not like yeah. it. Well, we all have our faults. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just about to ask what you thought of it, but okay, I guess I, I enjoyed that it. Question. Um, I didn't love it. It's it's on the low. It's like mid tier Cage for me. It's like uh, Gentleman Six out of ten. I'd say it's not my favorite. It's not one I think about a lot, but I I really love the like look and design of the film. Uh, I, I think I appreciate it more than I love it, but Nicolas Cage's performance is, uh, I find, to be highly entertaining. Well, I think this movie is going to go down probably as one of my favorite Nicolas Cage movies. So what what is it all about? It takes place in Portland, Oregon, or kind of outside, outside of Portland, yeah. Oregon, mm-hmm. yeah, at first. I'm looking for a truffle pig. Someone's star. I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig. What are you thinking? I remember every meal I ever cooked. I remember every person I ever served. You live your life for them, and they don't even see you. You don't even see yourself. my pig it's being billed as a thriller drama and i think that's false it's a drama like this is a straight Ah! up drama but it's it's a subversive one because it teases other subgenres throughout i'd say it's like a psychological thriller sort of nah no i just don't i think that it has thriller elements that are like i said teased just teased though but I think when it comes to the actual emotion and the and you know real presentation, like the stealth heart of this movie, 
it exists to be a like drama. It reminds me a lot of Writers of Justice. It it really is going for a similar vibe. Even the Writers of Justice kind of goes fuller into those genres, those subgenres. Mm-hmm. I think that it similarly is saying something super new and original about men that I absolutely love. So this film was co-written and directed by Michael Sarnowski. This is his first film killer debut from the guy mm-hmm. another movie i was thinking of by the way with this was obviously i think a lot of people were probably thinking of first cow um, yes. kelly reichardt film and uh, rightfully so mm-hmm. but it, to the point where like this movie started and i didn't know what year it was right like i thought oh sure. maybe this is like pioneer days <laughs> yeah because he's we, like yeah he's like dressed down he has kind of like baggy outdated clothes mm-hmm. he's shaggy beard you know long haired kind of has a a scruff to him that looks like he hasn't bathed in well over a month or two. You know, like I can definitely, I, everything about this film is very deliberate and intentional as far as how it reveals information. That's especially one thing I love about the film. Yeah. Exactly. Cause it, it knows that, you know, that this is Nicholas cage. It knows that there are a lot of people watching this who are familiar with Mandy, right? They're familiar with these movies that are like revenge thrillers. And so as they're watching the movie, they're going to kind of get a sense of like, okay, yeah, this is, we're going to get full blown cage. Right. But maybe that's not what we're going to get because I I also, by the way, another movie, uh, Truffle Hunters, I was like, oh man, they already made, (laughs) because I I know that they made, they were making this film before Truffle Hunters like came out, like before it Mm -hmm. premiered at Sundance. So it's not like a one-to-one, but it was just a funny coincidence. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because that, so Trouble Hunters, for those of you who don't know, it's a documentary that premiered Sundance 2020 that a lot of people liked. It's about like kind of what Nicolas Cage is doing in this movie where he's using a pig to help him find truffles in this sort of like rural area. Good movie. The plot is that, oh, and by the way, this is Neon, which yes. Neon just absolutely killing it lately. Yeah. Like I think based on their output the last year or two like they've easily for me overshadowed a24 because i know people kind of compare the two studios like they're not the same but you know in terms of what they kind of movies they go for but just in terms of like that like pseudo independent art house film studio that's really backed by rich people i think neon lately for me has been really the most impressive yeah i mean it did i mean that's a thought that crossed my mind is that it did kind of remind me of a24 circa 2013 or 2014 in the sense that like their studio was something to prove as opposed to a24 which is you know established brand i still like a24 but you know they when you say a24 you have a movie in mind like you have Mm -hmm. certain expectations and neon you know it's like still there there's room to wiggle and play and it's like there's no set movie i can think of as being like this is a definitive neon title there are neon titles i could list but not one where i can be like this is a quote-unquote neon title yeah because you have some like you literally have like neon demon you have something like possessor but that wasn't but then, uh neon demon wasn't uh neon is it not maybe i put that together incorrectly think, but okay fine yeah, possessor. I don't think so. <laughs> maybe i'm thinking of ingrid goes west or something yes um, that was neon but uh, yeah, let's say that. So like Possessor, which of course is like very, very gory, hard R film. Mm-hmm. But then you Colossal? also have Parasite. Um, you have Colossal. You have, you know, this like really fun indie film that, you know, has this big sci-fi concept. You have Parasite, heralded as one of the best films of the decade. Best and then learned. you also have something like this, 
it's just like such a range that I'm obsessed with. It's like you're saying, like yeah. A24 has such a specific, like small town, low stakes, great performances, kind of grainy, you know, film screen, very like striking, sto- like independent original stories. Neon is like, let's try to make a movie like you've never seen it before, but you feel like you've always wanted without knowing it. That's kind of how I bucket the two studios right now. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of get the sense that both studios are trying to push films that would otherwise be pocketed to limited art house theaters into the mainstream, which is why I appreciate both of them. They're giving... Me too. You know, like, it's just like, it's very comforting and odd to me that this was given a wide release and that I saw it with a almost half full audience. Like, this feels like something I would have to, like, drive an hour out of my way to see at, like, a small, like, hidden art house theater somewhere like the fact that i could see this locally at a major multiplex is very intriguing and beguiling to me i have to say yeah it's playing at our local regal right now you know and it's yeah it's it's getting a push and that's because of neon and we obviously are happy that neon and a24 exist and i'll, I'll take that as a moment to pump up uh green knight which is coming out in a few weeks and i'm so excited about that a24 film it's a long time coming but back to the film pig um the plot of this movie really kicks off when we find out that nicholas cage's character rob he or robin he sells these truffles to a very young businessman kind of in the restaurant industry played by alex wolf but something goes wrong when in the middle of the night his pig is violently stolen and the two of them have to go on robbed, this if you will. journey say again they said robbed if you will uh, yeah mm. i mean it doesn't really yeah. work because he was robbed right it would be funnier if he had robbed somebody but he didn't no but i, get, I think it's intentional though he was i don't know whatever keep going i mean people be robbing is that what? anyway so sure. <laughs> i just thought it was a cool name personally i, I thought it was very folksy um great great folk soundtrack by the way and yeah the two of them go on a journey to get the pig back and kind of as i was mentioned before you think it's one movie at first you think it's like okay like nicholas cage he looks scary in this movie he's got blood on his face big disgrace gonna kick their cans all over the place but that doesn't happen this movie becomes something else it becomes something in my opinion that is truly wonderful emotional heartwarming and healing and my like one sentence thing about this and we recently talked about how revenge is so overhyped in movies we talked we were talking about gunpowder milkshake how one thing one hang up i had with that movie was its obsession with making revenge seem cool and like ah that's fine like i don't mind enjoying that kind of movie once in a while but these are the movies that i really want to celebrate my you know and spotlight which is a movie that says men don't need revenge you know and and you can you can apply that of course to the other gender but you know specificity is nice here for me because it's something that i think men deal with a lot it's like this expectation that we have to solve our problems with violence and and getting the better of somebody else when this movie is about something deeper and more related to truth something wittier and more clever and altogether wonderful so yeah man i I dig this movie so much. I was just looking at my best movies of 2021. This definitely makes the top 10 for me. And I know you're a fan, Will, because I can always tell when you like a movie and you're, the way you talk about it after you see it. Yeah. No, I mean, I knew from the way that this movie was described and also the fact that 
uh, it was being lauded for Nicolas Cage's performance, I was like, surely I'm going to like this film. Uh, that's why I made a point to seek it out on opening day and see it before any quote-unquote potential spoilers would be uh, unleashed because I knew that all the reviews were like, go into this as uh, blindly as possible. You know, to try not to have any uh, preconceptions of what this movie is going to be. And sure enough, like we said, I didn't see a trailer. Just saw the poster and knew it was about a pig and Nicolas Cage trying to get that pig back. And as we discussed in our Black Widow review, I'm quite fond of pigs, uh, cinematic pigs at least. I don't I don't have a lot of experience mm-hmm. with real pigs. But I was about uh, to say, case, like, there's something else there. I, it's, you, know. you know, I mean, I, I, I quite enjoy a, a good cinematic portrayal of a pig. We haven't mentioned... Uh, Spire Pig from the Simpson movie. That's another one that's quite fun. Uh, uh, trying to, yeah, you don't, like, the, yeah, you don't like the Simpson movie, whatever. Uh, no, no, no. We don't need to My thing that. with Spider Pig was like how people thought that was the funniest joke, and it was so overdone. And I was, sure like that song, and I was like, come on, like that's not comedy. He just sings a song about a pig. Like, what is funny about? Yeah, that that, that scene was a little, uh, little overdone as far as the marketing was concerned, but. They literally did a here. commercial where like fans were singing the song like outside mm. the theater, and I'm just like, "What are we doing here?" I, sure. This was like 15 year old John, by the way. Sure. But in any case, we're not here to review the Simpson movie, 2007's The Simpsons movie. <laughs> uh, we're here oh, to so discuss. I was 16 Pig. then. Okay. Ugh. Yeah. Um, well, it depends on when it came out, I guess, in 20 or 2007. Um, yeah, yeah, I might have been 17. Yeah. But in any case, uh, yeah, with this film i mean like i even knowing that wasn't going to be the the quote-unquote john wick-esque uh revenge vigilante movie that uh you might be led to believe from the synopsis uh i knew that i wasn't really prepared for what i was going to get here and sure enough i mean i knew it was going to be poetic and somber and have a a nice kind of melancholy quality to it but I really wasn't expecting it to be something that was so patiently rewarding like this. I, I thought it was going to be more like um, You Were Never Really Here, which I guess is a, an ample comparison. But the, the quality of this film, as you mentioned, does have the sort of like lingering patience of something like a Kelly Reichardt film. Yeah, it's not as abstract though yeah. as like you were never really here but yeah it's it's way more grounded like something like yeah. first cow but with the you were never really here sort of subject matter yeah because like similar to first cow there is like this kind of foreboding sense of doom and and like this like threat to the the livelihood and well-being of its characters but at the same time there is a a sort of like lyrical poetic quality to it where there is something very gentle and uh, almost kind of assuring about it even when there is the threat to violence lingering throughout there there is this desire to uh really like kind of understand its characters in a way that's not like hand-wringing or uh overly done it, it, it requires a lot of uh patience and assurance from the audience to kind of take certain cues and understand things that even if the movie isn't you know uh, spoon feeding you it, it does tell you everything that you kind of need to know on a scene by scene basis and if you keep up with it I think it's a very rewarding and uh, lingering film as I mentioned before because it does offer a lot to say about the human condition not that everything it's saying is completely unique or original and if you want to poke holes about the inner logic of the world I guess you can but I think the best way to appreciate this film is just on its own merits just like accepting the world 
that presents in the way that's being presented, which is like sort of acute to our world, but like also there is like this sort of like lyrical, like I said, dream quality to it that uh, you know kind of defies easy explanation, but feels very thought through and and very distinct, and it has its own sort of set of rules that that don't feel out of place or out of step. Like it doesn't feel like even when the movie doesn't take the directions you expect it to take, it doesn't feel like anything is inauthentic or uh, inaccurate to what is uh, being portrayed. And I think that's a quality of the film that I find really, really impressive, especially for a first time filmmaker. The only studio notes on this this movie probably were like, yes, yes, go with that. You know, See, like, that's why I'm I sure find there were notes, but fascinating is that like I, I'm very curious to know if they sold the movie like this or if they sold it like. Hey, we got Nicolas Cage. It's going to be like Mandy meets John Wick with a pig. And they were like, yeah, sure. Sight unseen. Make whatever you want. Yeah. And, you know, like, here's whatever, $2 million, whatever the budget of this movie is. And they were like, he was like, all right. And then he just comes with, like, this, like, you know, like, very <laughs> restrained uh, meditative movie. And I don't know if they were just like, I mean, it still works, but I don't, I don't know. I, I'm very curious to know if this is the movie that was sold or if they kind of got away with something. But. Right. I mean, box office wise, I, I think I think it's making enough money to probably hopefully kind of bring back its budget. It's almost at a million for box office. So if it's it's probably a micro budget to your point. Yeah, I think that as an awards film, this will probably be a big, you know, boost for neon. Another neon film I wanted to bring up, but I wanted to wait. And you already kind of set it up perfectly. When I think about like the neon films that describe that patience you're talking about that this film has to sort of like lead you along a familiar path but then take you to a totally different destination i think of portrait of a lady on fire you know that is a film that knows the type of audience member who's watching it this sort of pretentious snobby film critic who really just is like okay you're gonna show me a lesbian period drama been there done that but then portrait sweeps you away with so much of it's like it's devastating for for what it does and what it changes about its own sort of tropes and and cliches before snl ever you know parodied that whole thing and another movie that i was really thinking and i don't know i'm gonna catch some heat for this i think from you i think you're gonna probably throw the frying pan at me but i was thinking a lot about ratatouille will i was thinking a lot about ratatouille yeah especially towards the end and i guess in the middle too a little in the middle, but definitely. And I wasn't thinking about this until I was reading your review of the Anthony Bourdain documentary, Roadrunner. Okay. So you wrote that review for the young folks. Yes. And in it, you kind of mentioned like how, and it's something I, I forget about sometimes that Anthony Bourdain kind of got his start from sort of doing his tell-all book, right? Of like the dark side, the underbelly of the restaurant industry. And this movie it picks the Portland restaurant scene as like kind of sketchy, kind of kind of dark, and it's such a cool way in for a movie that like who else is making movies like this? Like picking something so specific, but something that's so immediately fascinating to a lot of people. I would say, yeah. I mean, we all got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you haven't been to Portland, but I have, and it's no. uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. It's that it, just in the whole setting of it all that the way this movie like brings that location to life in a way that other movies don't as well. Um, one movie that Timmy failure does a good job at it. I'll give it that. Oh yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, actually I'm, I, 
I'm kind of bummed that I, I didn't get a chance to see this with my one friend who actually just came back here from spending a, a stint in Portland. I would I would have been very mm, curious to yeah. kind of uh, rack his brain about like the uh, the accuracies and lack thereof of the film as far as what it's like to live in Portland. Though I, he was quarantined for a decent bit of it, so I don't know if, uh, uh, how much he could really offer. But in any case, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really kind of the key to the 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 film the recipe i guess the the secret sauce of it is that it does have this sort of uh perception of uh this industry that you know we've seen a lot of portrayals of the 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 working class like restaurant business as well as like the upper scale restaurant business in a way that you know has sort of like a mythic quality to it but not in this particular way where it does it does feel very exacting and and very uh lived in in a very peculiar sort of way like i said like everything and the movie doesn't feel like exactly true light, but doesn't feel like in another realm or another world. Like it feels like everything has enough ties to reality that we can kind of uh, lend some credence to or, or some uh, some sense of reality yeah, to it. Both at the same time, but it's still immersive. Yeah, it's still immersive, but it's also like distance enough that we can kind of look at it in in uh, allegorical fashion and really get a lot to poke at, a lot of like you know uh, a lot of meat to chew. To, to borrow a few food puns. On that note, would you say, Will, that this is a movie where Nicolas Cage's character tries to bring home the bacon? Sure. Um, well, that's the other thing, too, is I've, I mean, at least as a, uh, a fan of Nicolas Cage, that's, that's the aspect of the film, especially because he produced the film, that I find really intriguing and, and worthwhile is that there is the seemingly intended uh, meta-narrative of the film which is that, you know, at this point in his career, and I'm sure this is a, a story that's going to continue with that um, other Nicolas Cage movie that's supposed to come out next year. I believe it's titled at the moment, like, the, uh, um, what is it, like, the the uh, the Massive Weight or Massive Talent or something like the uh, Overabundance of Massive Talent or something. It's something like that. I can't remember the exact title, but that's, like, another film that's, like, examining Nicolas Cage's career from a, like, cinematic lens that, that he has like as we were mentioning this sort of like mythic quality to him that's like that's inherently iconic quality where he is like revered but he also is uh you know sort of looked down upon in some respects as like you know sort of like over the hill or not not quite the the legacy actor that he once was but like you see movies like this and mandy and color out of space and clearly he still has the goods like he can deliver if you give him the right character and and you know if you see the film you see like this this kind of one-on-one with him and his real life and and i think his screen presence is really what makes this work as well as alex Wolf's performance which i also think is terrific we haven't really mentioned that yet but like just the way that he in like a stern look can like communicate so much and sell you into this world that you know, on its face could seem totally ridiculous and totally out of place, but kind of similar to the Keanu Reeves quality in John Wick in a similar way. Like, he he just makes you sell it with in a way that doesn't feel like he's trying too hard. Like, it just, like, naturally he feels uh, embedded to this character, this type of character, and sells you into this kind of weird, uh, uh, intangible uh film and concept in a way that 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 surprises you and and really makes you like examine his career and his filmography in in new and and sort of profound ways i think for me what's remarkable about the performance is that he really has to bring in three 
very different types of characters and make them all feel a whole of one another. The film is split up into different chapters and you know, a lot of the first chapter is him. We get to introduce to him and he's a hermit, but he's like a sensitive hermit. You know, the love he has for his pig comes through. And these are very crucial scenes because you have to understand his motivation for wanting this big back so well through just a really short handful of scenes. Like we're not with him and the pig for a long time, but the pig still hangs over the movie, mm-hmm. you know, and that yes. is a testament, I think, to his performance in those scenes. And the pig's performance. <laughs> and the pig, you know, the, yeah. well-trained. Um, Apparently not. Uh, I heard that the pig was kind of bitey on set, surprisingly. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> you know, sometimes when it comes to pigs, you like you want bad boys, bad girls. But yeah, then the this, this second part of the movie, we follow him as like this pseudo-aggressor kind of character. of like he wants, He's like single-minded and he kind of goes on this emotional journey and then we get this totally different version of the character in the last third and i think what for me what makes it all come together is you kind of mentioned alex wolf's performance this is a killer supporting performance because i think it's key to the movie like nicholas cage is doing his best but if he doesn't have alex wolf to bounce off of there and for those characters to have a believable friction that ultimately kind of becomes maybe something else then yeah, you don't have I don't think this movie is nearly as successful and so you really got to give it up to both these guys I mean it is just tremendously directed in that way because I think it would be it's so easy for Alex Wolf to play just a total d-bag in this movie uh-huh. for and he does <laughs> but you still like extent. find but you you know what I mean like you still find something there to get a hold of like it's not it's not one dimensional and it's it's really well done but it, it still has the trappings of like that one dimensional hot shot character right mm-hmm. yeah i mean he's like the ying the end to um cage's yang and that like unlike cage's character who is like well proven and you know like we said mythic and like over the hill and doesn't really want to prove anything or feel the need to prove anything his character is like this sort of like sadly mediocre type of guy who's like constantly trying to like improve himself make himself live up to the shadow of his peers including his father and like at the same time he has like this self-awareness like he's not a dumb guy like he knows his like own mediocrity is a hindrance but he's like trying to like overcome his shortcomings and he just can't like he he tries to like listen to classical music and like drive this really fancy car and like you know slick his hair back and uh hang out with the big boys and it just like there's something about his performance that's like kind of darkly funny but it's also inherently sad without being too much of one or the other and the way that that tie opposite character but also a kin character is able to to bounce off of uh the sullen grace of uh, Cage's character and screen presence is just really kind of mar- remarkable to watch. I'll admit, one of the things I didn't love about this movie is when it kind of goes a little fight club, but they even handle that pretty well. Like, it, I was kind of groaning, but then it comes around. Yeah. I think that's that scene, though, is so crucial to the film because it's like... It is. You, you That's like what people are expecting the film to be. Like, they're expecting it to be like, this is right. that John Wick direction you want... But then they present the violence and it's like so stark and brutal and like hard to watch. And it's like almost kind of like egging egging you on uh, another food Mm -hmm. pun to be like, is this the movie you really want? Like you want like to see 
Nicolas Cage like getting punched and beaten and all this stuff for the sake yeah. of a pig. What do you and it's get just, like, from that? Right. Like yeah, exactly. It's like it's like the you were never really here thing again. It's just like we can show you the the result of the violence, but it's just like what good does this do? You know, like our character is still effed up. You know, at the end of this, and he doesn't have what exactly he wants. And it's just a like I said, everything about this movie feels like. It can seem very incidental, but it feels so exact and so thought through that it's really quite remarkable for a first-time writer and director. Especially, I mean, that monologue scene with the chef at the restaurant. See of the year. I I sat there just like my jaw on the floor. I was like, this writing, you know, it's so simple. And like every element of it is just it's the closest thing to like perfect i think it could be i mean just the cutting back and forth the look on the chef's face when we finally see amir's face when he realizes what is actually happening here i mean it's just like Mm -hmm. it's killer stuff and yeah oh so good and i love about that scene like it also like sets up the pieces where you could see the more Mm -hmm. violent confrontation like you kind of see the little things it's like oh they're putting this in, so that's going to mean that this is going to get thrown in his face or, like, he's going to smash him, like, with this or whatever, and it just doesn't. It just, like, he just viscerates this guy with his words. They're all very precise and uh, very, you know, cutting in a very direct sort of way and, and gets the point across without any use of uh, violent or direct confrontation. It's just a, a really wonderful scene to watch, and the performances from all three of those actors is just immensely good. I'll finish out, give my grade and everything, just kind of referencing, I think, the next standout scene in the movie, you know, or the pair of them involving the Darius character, which I don't even want to get into it because I think you just got to see it for yourself. I I think that it's it's just such a sequence of events that completely upend what I think people think that they're coming in for (laughs) with this movie. And I just... I'm an easy mark for movies that care about male friendship. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk these days about, you know, what is wrong with men. And, you know, there's there's a lot of like guilt that men take on, you know. It's like, yeah, we know, you know, it's it's men that it's not great like with what's going on, you know, and men for the longest time were in absolute positions of power in so many places and I think that one of the things that can kind of, for me, hopefully heal men who are caught in this place where they feel like, what am, what am I supposed to do? What am, how am I supposed to act? Like pop culture, culture, it's, it sends all of these terrible messages. I get, you get mixed messages about what it means to be a man. What does masculinity really mean? And, you know, you hear things of like, oh, all men are terrible. Or you hear like, oh, men are the best. And it's just like, where do I fit? And it's movies like this where I'm like, I got to give this to my bro, you know, I'm like, hey, watch this movie. Like this movie is like, it's here to sort of give you that like affirmation, that sort of validation of like your emotions matter. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a gruff, tough guy. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being a certain way, you know, and, and having passion. But there's also nothing wrong with breaking down in tears when it calls for it, you know, and. I, it's, movies like this are so important to me because they can do so much good for people who you know young men especially like very impressionable teenagers i i want more people to see things like this and not the sort of things that they get from just trash tv shows that are just designed to sort of 
tap into this like really obnoxious side of like the pickup artist guy and like all this stuff that's just so useless like it just doesn't do anything for you ultimately and it's you know i don't want to hype i don't want to harp on anybody who gets any enjoyment out of a certain type of pop culture but you know i just i wish this was the norm i guess is all i'm saying and i think that nicholas cage of course of course it's him you know at the at the center of this movie doing that so yeah, absolutely fantastic movie. I think it's basically, you know, one of one of the absolute best of the year for me. So I, I give it the old A. Right on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not too far from where you are. I, I'm going to give it a pretty firm A-. Uh, and uh, I mean, even just beyond what we've been saying already, I mean, there's so much here that I, I wish I could spend more time to celebrate, uh, including the uh, editing, which I think is, is very exact. And also, like, uh, even sort of, like, intentionally indelicate when, like, cut some, like, scenes off quickly or let some scenes linger, have, like, this sort of, like, dreamy, uh, intangible quality, like I said, that that, that sort of, like, presents this uh, dreamlike quality to the film that, that I find uh, very uh, intriguing and beguiling. Uh, and I, I just really appreciate the boldness of this film, that, that it's able to to have such a, a simple goofy premise but but presented in such a uh, straight and uh um thoughtful sort of mournful fashion without being uh too ironic or too cutesy about it even though it is i think deliberately a pretty dryly funny film throughout i i, I wish we could talk about the comedy a little bit more but i, I do think this is <laughs> yeah. uh, a funny film in many respects i mean not all the time but i do think it does have a lot of moments that that are really uh tickle the old funny bone but um yeah i mean above all else i think the movie speaks for itself and i think it invites a lot of interesting conversations i think it has a lot to say about many different things uh, whether it be nicholas cage's filmography or the sense of grief that that one feels without really being able to to put exact uh, finger on it and how we kind of take uh, meaning in life from the small things that that other people may not really understand or appreciate it's just a a well-rounded good very thoughtful well-constructed movie and it's only 90 something minutes as well which is icy on the cake so uh, i'm gonna like i said give it uh, a firm a minus it's one of the boldest most intriguing and most rewarding films i've seen in a good bit and another great film to nicholas cage's ever-growing filmography all right well that's an easy recommendation from the two of us clearly a must watch and hope you all who do check it out or if you have already seen it enjoy it as much as we did but that is pig it's available to watch right now and limited release through neon as will mentioned it is just 92 minutes long and rotten tomatoes wise it's doing pretty well 97 percent critic score that is uh, out of 106 reviews so far, but I'll probably be adding my own review once I'm done with that. Still chewing on some things here and there, but yeah, highly recommend. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.